September 21st, 2016. This is Urban Talk Radio 103.5 W N H where you will hear conversation, information, education, inspiration, motivation from the American urban perspective. Urban Talk Radio is also being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Network Radio, NOTN, an interactive media website that features 24-hour radio video streams articles blogs and information on social living current news and issues today on urban talk radio we're going to continue our conversation community wellness block by block today's topic will be coffee that's with a k with cops we mentioned this on our last series and we talked about community engagement with police officers in the community about building better relationships with communities between the police. And pretty timely today, since we're coming off the heels of two very controversial police shootings. One occurred yesterday in the last 24 hours. One of them occurred in Tulsa, where a black male unarmed was shot in the back. And another occurred in Charlotte, North Carolina, where another Black male still being disputed whether or not he was armed, but certainly was shot and killed. And that has now touched off a new series of early riots in in Charlotte. And I'm sure that in days to come, we'll be knee deep back once again in heavy conversation around race, politics and status in America. But in New Haven, Connecticut, where we try to do it better and we try to do it the best, we are doing Coffee with the Cops, which we had last week in the East Rock community, and it was a hit. It was awesome. And so today on the show, I have the owner of Coffee with a K. That's K-O-F-F-E-E with a question mark. I'm being told by the owner here, <laughs> Duncan Goodall. Good morning, Duncan. Welcome to Urban Talk Radio. Thanks, Jeffy. It's great to be here. So... Talk to me. Just talk. Listen. Just, <laughs> just just talk with me. Just talk. That's a that's a dangerous proposition yeah, just, because just you talk know, I can, to me. I can natter on for hours if needs be. So we met at the we met at a block watch. That's right. Yeah, so we, for those of you who cannot see Duncan, Duncan's about what he is six five, six two, broad shoulders. He looks like a bodybuilder. Okay, <laughs> so definitely doesn't look like a coffee shop owner. For all of you people who are like. You know, if you ever grow up and you're like, I want to be a football player. Hey, I got the player. goatee going on. <laughs> He's I got, got the goatee. You know, that's got to count for but something. But certainly he looks like a, more like a football or some kind of <laughs> some kind of athlete, you know, in, in, in a dormant state. Um, but we first met at a block watch meeting, and I was sitting there with a bunch of folks in the backyard trying to figure out some solutions. And 
we were talking about car break-ins and uh, burglaries and how folks can, you know, remove everything out of your car when you get home and lock your doors. That was the biggest issue and push the screens down at night or when you're away at, uh, from work and make sure your windows are locked. And out of the back comes this like, you know, this linebacker and he goes, Hey, I got a great idea. And I was like, well, I got an idea. I have an idea. I love coffee. You know, I believe, you know, we're talking about this cops and coffee and he just jumps them off. Hey, I'll do it. I'm like, you're going to do what? <laughs> so, um, so that's how we kind of met and you introduce yourself, um, that, that who you were. So, you know, first of all, let's just talk about, talk about your experience living in, you know, New Haven, East Rock. I mean, it's a New Haven's an inner city. Sometimes we right. get a, a bad rap. People say, you know, well, it's, it's poor. Um, you know, there's other things. We do have the second poorest population in the state. Uh, but New Haven, when you're going through, you really would not know that because of Yale, because of the way to them, you know, some of the architecture of the buildings and so forth. So talk about your experience just living in the East Rock or, you know, different parts of New Haven you lived in. Sure. Well, uh, you know, let me take this from a slightly different direction. Um, before I came back to New Haven, I was working for corporate America and uh, there's a lot about that, that type of lifestyle that I didn't care for. And part of it was the loss of contact with other people because when you're constantly traveling and moving around, you lose connections with other people, you lose your community. And after I'd been doing that for a while, I decided that I really need to do something to try to build community. And that's really where coffee comes into play. Because I had, I wanted to create an organization, a, a meeting place where people in the community. Why K? Why coffee with a K? What's it? <laughs> well, you know, to set it aside, to set it apart from just regular coffee. And the question mark is coffee, as in, shall we go have coffee? Gotcha. Okay. So that's really the 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 whole point of coffee is to to bring people in the community together to create those connections. How long did it take you to put the coffee business concept together? Was that, did you just wake up one morning and go, I got it. I got it. I'm going to go ahead here. I'm going to pay my gas bill <laughs> and I'm going to open up coffee. Well, it was, um, well, coffee was a pre-existing business when I got it. So I bought it, but it didn't have the sort of the same look and feel to it at the time. And then really after that, it was just uh, trial and error. You know, it was trying to figure out the type of employees that I needed and how to, how to teach them um, about community and about how to cultivate that. And then the interior design and product selection, that sort of thing. So it was really sort of a long-term iterative process. But anyhow, I, 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 um, divert, I, uh, so that was really the whole goal was to, um, just to create more of a community. And then over time, as I've been part of the New Haven scene and sort of seen things happen, and then over the last five or six years, we've really seen this spate of conflict between cops and the communities. Um, I realized that we need to do something about it, right. so that we can't allow that to happen. You, you seem to be very passionate. Like, like it was almost like you were more excited about it than I was, and I <laughs> and I needed to be more excited than you were, and you were like. Yeah, you know what? I, you know, you, and you were taking it to like a revolutionary state. And I was actually getting kind of nervous. Like, dude, it's, it's, it's coffee. Just with police. No, everybody, we're not passing out guns. So, you know, you're, you're, you're obviously very passionate about 
this community engagement component between the police and community is, is there something in your life or have you had an experience with police or have observed an experience between police and the community that drives you around this topic? Yes, actually. Um, it's really twofold. Uh, the first is that I get cops in my coffee shop all the time. And so I know many of them personally and you know, they're just guys, they're guys and they're men and women like me. And we, they have interests and ideas and thoughts and feelings just like everyone else. But what I found is that a lot of people who don't know a cop, uh, gets sort of, there's this mental block they encounter when they see a uniform and a badge. And suddenly that person who wears the uniform and badge no longer is no longer a person. Instead, they are um, a visible source of power. And a lot of people are afraid of that. Um, and in fact, when I was talking to my youngest daughter uh, about this, this coffee and cops, I said, come on, honey, let's, uh, let's go. And she said, I don't know. I mean, they have guns and mm. they're kind of scary. How old is your daughter? She's nine. Okay. Wow. And, and I said, that's, well, that's the entire reason why we're doing this is to try to break down those barriers between the community yes. and the cops and to show people that these are just normal people and they're out there and they're out there to protect us and to help us. Um, you know, and, and I think that w the only way that that's really going to happen is when individuals come together and just talk. Because you can't, and you can't legislate this, you can't tell people about it in stories, you actually have to go out there, meet them, talk with them, hang out with them, and then realize that, in fact, they are just normal people like us, and they're people who you can talk with and hang out with, and you can tell them stuff that will then help the community in turn. Uh, and I know this sounds so, I mean, it sounds kind of ridiculous when I sit here and, and talk about it like this, but, uh, I can't tell you how many people that I've spoken with who have that same kind of instinctual reaction to a uniform and a badge before they actually know the people. Um, so really my whole goal with the, the coffee and cops is to try to break down those barriers. If you're just joining us today on urban talk radio, we're discussing, police engagement around community wellness block by block coffee with a K and a question mark at the end with a cop. You can join the conversation on Facebook at bold minds and Twitter at bold minds. You can also stream this show live on your smartphone or computer by logging on to newhavenindependent.org in the studio this morning. I have Duncan Goodall. He is the owner of coffee and an East rock resident in New Haven, Connecticut. And for our listeners in New Orleans, that would be a lot like your French Quarter area or the Esplanade Boulevard, as I referenced on our last show, which is one of my favorite areas, the two most favorite areas of mine, actually in New Orleans. Have you ever been to New Orleans? It's been a while. It's been a while, but I'm, we're actually planning a trip there. Where, where did you go when you were there? Uh, would you believe I don't really remember that much wow, about it? Because wow. it was, you know, I was well, you downtown. I was 18. It was the French Quarter. Oh, was a yeah. time you were on Bourbon Street. I was on Bourbon Street. Yeah, it was. It <laughs> That's was one where of those. You were. Listen, it was, I mean, I remember. Vaguely, I can tell you, you where you were, yeah, and I wasn't you know, even with you. Yeah, you know exactly <laughs> yes. what, what yeah. was up with that. And you was not drinking no coffee. <laughs> oh, no. Well, well maybe. <laughs> yes. I, I don't really recall. I don't think um, you could find coffee on Bourbon Street. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, Shafiq, I have a question for you. Yes. So, based upon, uh, I mean, you've been doing this a lot longer than I have, clearly. You know, you're a cop. You've also been doing this for a while. All right. Um, how, what do you think about this type guests. of... You're one of those guests. You're one of those guests. Well, I'm not he curious. Beca- he's become the show host. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just, with you. <laughs> you know, I just, I just articulated my, my vision, my ideas yeah. and such, and I'm like, I want a response. Like, we Tell should me, do a what show do together. What we should do just do our this? own monthly show. <laughs> cops. <laughs> cops. Cop and coffee talk. Coffee, yeah. Co- coffee, coffee talk. Cops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cops and coffee. That's what we do. Cops and coffee. There you go. They have our own show. So go ahead. Go. No, really. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious about your point of view on this is that, you know, what are some other ideas that you have? Because I'm sure, yeah. I mean, you've been thinking about this for a long time, clearly. What are some other ways that, I mean, do you think this idea of breaking down the, the, the barrier between the, the, um, the community and the cops is a good thing or is it not a good thing? Cause I can, you know, I can see the potential contraview to this, that um, they do need to represent authority and, and such on the street. And so maybe breaking down those barriers too much may not be in their best interest. Um, I mean, do you, what is your thoughts on this? Do you think this is a good idea or do you think we need to be careful with this? No, I think we, this is the direction certainly moving forward in law enforcement. You know, there is law enforcement is is government, so there's is is so much bureaucracy. So for the people that's out there that hears the word bureaucracy a lot and goes, Oh yeah, bureaucracy. Well bureaucracy really means it's so many policies and procedures that's connected to every particular agency, police, fire, um, city government, federal government, everybody's following their own system of rules that trying to get everybody on the same page requires you to try to make sure that you're not either overlapping or infringing upon somebody else's procedure. Sure. Right. So uh, that's what makes the process so slow. So people say we need officers to have more diversity training. We need more of a diversity training, but departments are guided under post standards, which is like the state standards to get certified as an officer. And they only require say four hours of what would be considered diversity training. So if you go beyond that, then the police departments would have to adjust their budgets. In order to adjust their budgets, they would have to get approval from from their city hall or city council. In order for city council to do that, they've got to make sure they've got the money in the budget and it's been reprioritized. And so we have people on the outside saying, what is taking so long? That's what's taking so long. So that's going to take some time, right? It's going to take some time for the federal government to figure out how they're going to give another grant to or make a grant available because everybody may not need diversity training. So people just might need money because they say we want to diversify our department, but we don't have the money to hire more cops. So by the time you're waiting for that, that's a, a slower process. Mm-hmm. I believe, and I understand bureaucracy within law enforcement, so I've always taken a position of what can I do as a citizen also, because I'm also a citizen, I'm a resident, I'm a taxpayer, I'm a father. So from that perspective, if I was not in law enforcement, what would I want? And how fast would I want it? I would want it immediately because that's what we want as residents. Sure. So this is the more I can do this. We can do this physically right now. There's no barrier in between our ability to bring together police and the community on our terms on our terms. And I think that's the the key concept is when you come together on your own terms, opposed to what we're going to see in Charlotte, where community and the police are going to be forced at the table. And 
before they're forced there, there's things that are going to happen. There's protests, officers are hurt now, you know, the community is grieving. So there's a whole very rude kind of process that people have to go through just to say, oh, I, you know, to play Avatar. Nobby, I see you. Well, you were there all the time. So I call it in my, you know, concept of policing, it's corny stuff. You know, there's no excitement to cops and coffee. Like, there's no excitement to us passing out candy in Newhallville or Icy's. You know, you have but, to, but, you, you got to sell that concept first. You got to sell it to your officers. You got to try to sell it to the administration. And then you've got to get people to buy into it, right? Because even after you sell it to a department, I don't care how many cops it is, somebody's going to be saying, this is a corny, this is a bad idea, this is stupid, right? But, Somebody has to have the vision to see the return. I mean, just sitting here listening to you tell me that your nine-year-old daughter is, you know, has an apprehension or anxiety towards police officers, right? And you live in a very well-to-do neighborhood yeah. where there's probably zero instance between where police and allegedly would be beating up their community or harassing people Absolutely. or stopping and frisking or, you know, you, it's a totally different neighborhood but yet your story is the same story that you would hear if you went into an inner city, predominantly black poor neighborhood or predominantly Latino Hispanic neighborhood or immigrant neighborhood where the police have poor relationships. Those are stories that's indicative from their children. But your, your daughter has the same fear. So it's, again, it's that these engagements with the community, it reveals yet new information that allows police and the community to work through stereotypes. Right. So do you have any other ideas of things that that we can do besides, you know, like uh, the, the coffee with cops? So uh, I do don't want to give idea? up my deadly secrets. I got some secret weapons. Yeah, I know. So I'll Come give on. you one secret weapon. All right, weapon. give me one of your secret weapons. Uh, East Rock is, I mean, as the more I spend more time over there now, um, you know, it's more than ever, the East Rock, Cedar Hill and I get a chance to be out there like two o'clock in the morning, one o'clock. I mean, now I've, I'm covering every hour just to see what the atmosphere, what are people doing? What do people do at four o'clock? They walk around, right. people ride their bikes, people are jogging. Like it's a 24 hour neighborhood because of, I think the professions of people, their lifestyle, the different backgrounds they're from. I know when I've traveled to places like Saudi Arabia and Dubai, people actually don't even come outside until 11 o'clock. So from like 11 o'clock to kind of 4 in the morning, 5 in the morning, they're up. When I travel to Jamaica, the party doesn't even start until <laughs> 12, right? You see nobody hardly out in the day, but at 12 o'clock, the, you know, the beaches are full with, with parties. So same kind of atmosphere, kind of like in East Rock. One thing that we're looking to do, there are a couple of pizza restaurants in East Rock. Couple. So we're thinking about doing like pizza night out with a cop or something, Ooh, like, I like you know, that. where we get the pizza place to, you know, cover a couple of pizzas, or maybe cut them in small, like bruschetti squares. And, <laughs> um, you know, officers come out and we eat pizza with the community, you know, cause more, cause, cause a couple of the pizza restaurants are kind of like open air a little bit. Sure. Right. So, um, so we're looking to do something along that line. I still have to make contact with the pizza uh, restaurant and I have to also do, what we did with you and the rest of the community, which is find out what is the right time, yep. what's most appropriate with the community, uh, and get feedback. And I think that is that is 
the key component, you know, 20 years of policing and policing has become over 20 years the new community development tool. It started around really, I think, around in like the the 90s. We're trying to figure out like how to repair the community using police tactics to, you know, get rid of guns and drugs and the warring drugs and all this other stuff. And so the police became the center of this community urban development. The police department, we're not developers. <laughs> we, you know, and if we were, we would. We need to give that up and become contractors. And the only thing we need to build is community relationships, right? <laughs> right. Um, so we've somewhere along the line we've we've missed that. And so what you see, in my opinion, you see um, outdated and failed police strategies now that are coming to head. Because if you're still using that old product. You know, it kind of has an expiration date. After a while, it's not going to perform. The, the cream's not going to go in your coffee with a K and a question mark. It's not going to go in there in a way to make it look smooth. It's going to be lumpy because it's no longer for what it was intended, for its intended use. So right. we've got to go back to, you know what? I'm just a civil servant, man. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a real public servant. I don't, I don't know a damn thing, Right. I need you to tell me how to help you. All right. So you how know. about this? Some some ideas. All right. I love the idea of the pizza. I think that's a great idea. What do you think about doing the pizza in a park, have some footballs to throw around and some other balls so that way the the cops are out there and they're throwing balls with guys and gotcha. like hanging like sort of create more of uh I like flag football because I'm good. Flag I'll take you down. I, <laughs> this, I used to play rugby. This, Don't touch me. I, this could be fun. <laughs> That's a foul. Uh, <laughs> no, it's not. No such thing. Yeah. I uh, like it. I think it's I think it's a great idea. Something like that. And also, I mean, we talked briefly about this before and you said there were some logistical issues with this, but I do firmly believe that if we can get the cops out of their uniforms and in their street clothes, right. so that way there isn't that visual barrier. Um, and I think people have find a lot easier to relate yeah. with. Them. Well, you know what? The good news is um, I was just in a meeting a day ago and there's a event that's going to be taking place. It's um, cops and ballers is being put on by the Justice Department, which cops and ballers, cops and ballers. And the Justice Department is putting on this event. Uh, U.S. Attorney Deidre Daly uh, they've been doing a lot of good outreach stuff. Um, Holly Wazalewski, who used to be, who was a captain, former captain of New Haven Police Department. She's, you know, she trained me in community-based police uh, strategies, and she's heading up this event. So it's going to be, you have to go and our police department. They're encouraging us to get two people from the community and make a three-on-three basketball team, or you can have two cops and somebody, but somebody. From the community must right. be on that basketball team. I, I don't do basketball. <laughs> and, I don't, uh, don't, don't ask me to do basketball. What, what they're going to allow to do is Chief Campbell is authorizing that the officers can, if they're working, they can take time off to play basketball. That's so, great. you know, one of the things that I actually, you know, that I, one of the things I love about community policing, especially, you know, I really like, you know, when you do have these innovative chiefs, I think that Chief Campbell certainly is, is one of them, you know, you want to give officers the ability to do stuff like that because yeah. when you don't, the officers really want to do that. And when you say no, when you say, Oh no, we don't have the staffing or, you know, well, it's going to cost money. And you know, we're not, the officers are not stupid. 
you know, you can either pay an officer overtime to go sit in a lot, drink coffee, and watch Netflix, technically, right? <laughs> right. And waiting for them to respond to a call. Or you can take that same officer who says, I want to play in a basketball game, you know, and you know what? I'm going to play in a game. I'm going to come back to work. I'm going to take a quick shower and I'm going to get back out there because, you know, number one, I'm excited because my, I feel like my department is investing in my beliefs. The other part too is, Hey, let's think about it. If the officer's getting exercise and many of us really, really don't, they're going to come back to work even more energized. Absolutely. You know, and they like got that. more oxygen to their brain and now they've built some relationships and they are not what I call in cop mode. And I think, there's enough people around the country that's doing a great job enough at failing being in cop mode. We don't need to be in that 24 hours. So I like the idea. I think that, you know, certainly under, you know, the administration right now that you were going to see something like that. So I like, I like the flag football, even though, you know, uh, I, I don't want, I don't want you to tag. I don't want to be tackled. Okay. <laughs> I'm saying flag football that way in case somebody got yeah, some, I, got some outstanding <laughs> tickets, you know, they can be, uh, you know, so, <laughs> You know, you go high, I'll go I low. like the idea. I mean, um, I think it's a great thing. So, I mean, you know, I I value you as a partner. So I'm sure together um, we can come up with something that's really I would love you know, to do that's, stuff like that's this. really good. I, I, yep. The community out there, that is a super um, and I say rich, not rich in terms of wealth of money. I say rich in terms of the spirit and, you know, the diversity There's power and diversity. Yeah. Right. There's there's truly truly power and diversity and when you start to look to each other and really explore the differences and the history and who's who you know i think that's really what comes out of it and what i came what came to me from our event on friday which i know we had it we had over 60 people i know we had over 60 people because we put together 60 of those flyers about um you know how safety and your bike and chain up your bike and taking everything out your car lock your car doors close your windows there must have been more than 60 there because we yeah. you know i was there for so we passed out i know we passed out 60 of those flyers yeah and so there, i think we had about 100 people yeah i think that's you know, right. 100 people i'm still hearing people come up and say i saw the flyers you know <laughs> and they're like oh there we saw the flyers and there, you know there's just so much great stuff that comes out of that and i really think it's important you know i i i've tried to coin this new terminology of neighborhood specific policing which is a which is really it's a it's a page in community policing right community policing is the book right tell us about the pages and tell us what's in each chapter and 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 tell us how it works and that's why we talk about community wellness it's block by block right community wellness right. you have to talk about community wellness and before we can get to what does your community need, we have to fit that into community wellness. If you want walking beats, you want a bicycle cops, maybe you just want a cop to just be in front of the coffee shop. I don't know. I was at two yesterday um, bouncing around in, in, in East Rock. And, you know, it's just amazing. People walk by and they're like, are you? You are. And it's like, yes, I'm eating lunch with you. It's Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah. this is, I think you bring up a really valid, a, a very valid point here that before the communication can happen, connections need to be made. And once those connections are made, I think we're going to see the, the gates open. And then, then you're really going to start hearing about what people need. 
what they to to make this this type of community connection happen. If you're just joining us today on Urban Talk Radio, we are discussing community wellness block by block. Coffee that's with a K and a question mark at the end with a cop. And you can join the conversation on Facebook at Bold Minds and Twitter at Bold Minds. You can stream this show live on your smartphone by logging on to newhavenindependent.org. And remember, Urban Talk Radio is being simulcast on New Orleans Talk Radio, N-O-T-N, an interactive media website that features 24-hour video streams, articles, blogs, and information on social living and current news and issues. So, Duncan, here we go. When we start the show, you asked me, you said, what are we going to talk about? <laughs> well, yep. you want to know, we're going to talk about these police shootings. And uh, nah, not really took me. He's like, well, you know, that's what the show is all about. I was like, wow, okay. So you made the show all about the police shootings. But yeah. let me ask you something. Um, what is your, I mean, you're in America like I'm in America, right? And you're a businessman. So it takes it to a whole nother, you're not Joe the plumber. Right. Um, and I've not known you to be an individual that starts off, you know, or ends or interjects somewhere along the line, a Hillary Trump conversation you know, <sighs> tagline like a lot of a lot of business people do. They, uh, so if Trump gets in my, ta- you know, and you don't you don't appear to be that way, uh, you know. But you certainly are passionate about police and community. What is your perspective about what needs to happen. I mean, we know it's happening. Yeah. So we, there's really no question about what's happening in America. We know it's happening. Um, we know the results of this. What is your take on how do we really prevent, you know, how do we prevent this kind of stuff and move forward? Is there a move forward? Well, that's a big question. <laughs> uh, and here's why I say it. So, yeah. The Tulsa shooting was a black male tasered and then shot, or it appears to be early on, all of the confirmed, shot by a white female officer. And did not appear to be in the media a lot of kickback yet in terms of the riots or protests. Whereas the Charlotte shooting, which happened apparently in the, in the university component of the city, the black male was shot by a black officer and it, it touched off a firestorm. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's what you would expect if the officer was white shooting a black male. Right. But in this case it's black shooting a, a black male. So it almost lends that the community might even be more furious at the fact that seriously, dude, you black shooting another black man. This is why we hired you. Cause isn't that the argument that if we hire more black cops, you won't have this, right? And black cops right. have some kind of like built-in <laughs> DNA system that you, oh, nope, it's black man, don't shoot him. <laughs> you know, and that's not true. So we're back now in a new, yet a new frontier of police-related shootings, controversial shootings. The videos keep coming out faster and faster. I right. mean, they're coming out now like, there's, there's, it's almost like they're streaming it live. You know, it's like, here's a dash cam, officer dash cam, just, you know, and as soon as it's stored, it just restreamed right through the radio station or, or or the news. So now I don't even know if it allows the community enough time to brace itself. Yeah. I mean, you ask, you know, what can be done or what is the, the causation of this? And 
you know, I, I don't really have a good answer to that because it, I would imagine that the, the causes of this type of interaction is different from place to place yes, and from culture to culture. Cause every, you know, down South has a different culture. What, what do you tell your daughter? What is your, what do you tell your daughter for, you know, you, you have a daughter, you're trying to broaden her mind about, you know, Hey, not like that you, you know you comments earlier where that well, she has a feeling you know the anxiety so now so now what do you tell hey listen so, the cops are cool yeah they so got gold handcuffs <laughs> right. Yeah, right. <laughs> those are some serious handcuffs yeah. man um yeah so what i talk when i uh, we frequently have these types of conversations um and i think that first of all news likes to spread the bad stuff right and so uh for every shooting police shooting that we see there's probably a thousand great things that That's other right. cops have done, That's right. but we only hear about the, the shootings. That's right. And so we're inundated with con- these constant stories about police shootings. And so we have this ill-conceived notion that this stuff happens all the time. That's Frankly, right. it doesn't. Right. Um, that's the first thing. And what I, and I explain this to my daughter. And the second thing that I go into a great deal of detail is that, frankly, in any group of people, there's going to be a bad apple right. and it doesn't matter where that group is or what they're doing. If it's in politics or if it's in the police force or if it's a businessman, um, there's, there's always going to be a bad apple and they're going to do something stupid. Right. And so you, and you can, it's, I think it's a really bad idea to paint an entire group of people based upon the actions of just one. Now, then there's some people who say, well, the culture of certain police forces is X, and so people are predisposed to making those type of decisions. And I get that as well. And I think that those are some of the things that do need to be addressed is is police culture and also exactly what we're doing here, which is right. creating connections with the community. Because if it the more of us versus them that exists, the more likely it is that there's going to be conflict. And so we've got to get rid of the us versus them. We got to look at this as we together. I think, so, yeah, I think that's a good point. You know, it, it's always been tough. I have four children, and you know, trying to explain over time. You know, there's so many conversations. I, my three boys, African American, I have to have a conversation with them about you know black on black violence and gangs, and you know, then we have to have what I what I've learned. I learned this from a couple of. Uh, uh, film producers to talk right in the, in the suburban community they call it we have to have the talk right with our children and i get it because we do it in urban community you have a talk it's just i think the talk is always it's a constant flow of information and and now we all both of us both communities whether you're a suburban community and your your urban community because i really don't i think that the generically call communities black and white i think it's i i think we shortchange ourselves there's no such thing as a black and white community there's a you know community that might have a different economic or educational status of yeah. versus another, but one thing is certainly for sure, they many times share the same anxieties, the same hopes, the same fears, the same goals, right? And so right. that's where we center on that. And I don't think anybody in the country wants to have to wake up to news about a police shooting or some negative story about police. And, you know, really it's, how do you sell? How do you sell, reprioritize, or retool our system 
to want to hear more positive information. I mean, we right. we had a great event on Friday, and uh, right at the end of the event, right over the hill, two teenagers got shot. Right, and so the yeah. the, the the thought process would want to be, hey, let's focus on that. But right. if you do neighborhood specific policing, you would say, well, this community is doing this right here. Right, you know, it, that's bad what happened over there, but we'll let the police go handle that over there. They've handled what they needed to handle here, and I think that's really where we have to start kind of focus. Because if you think about Chicago, you think, wow, Chicago's dangerous. Well. <laughs> All of Chicago is not dangerous. It's really right. just a particular area, and there's a lot of issues that need to be discussed around that. So this this is a really I like this point because what it is suggesting to me is that community engagement and pulling together these groups of people is not enough. We've not only got to do that, but we have to publicize it. We have to make we have to occupy some of that media space in people's minds with the good stuff to try to offset all the bad stuff that's out there. And so doing things like this radio and doing and seeing articles in the New Haven Independent and seeing people on the street and talking about it, you know, so coming up with strategies to bring people together and then publicizing it. And so maybe, maybe what we need to think about here is a social media strategy Mm. in addition to this stuff. Like let's, let's figure out a, a consistent strategy to get the word out and try, try to drown out some of that incessant bad news that we're always hearing. And that's not, you know what, you hit it right on the head because you will find that uh, I, I'm i big social media persons. I'm not super big, but because of what I do, I'm on social media, courtesy of my wife, who is like a social media mongol, right? <laughs> so she's got this thing down packed, and she's really the, the brain behind a lot of my social media. Mubarak Ibrahim, give her a shout out. How you doing? Good morning. Right. Um, nice. So when I see like high profile chiefs and I'm not a police chief and I try to find them on social, I can't, they don't have a Facebook page. And I'm like, dude, you're like one of the top 10 chiefs in the country. You got no Facebook page, you know, no Twitter, no nothing. Um, and sometimes again, that goes back to the bureaucracy. But at this point in the game, I mean, even, any, even many of the police departments are just getting in the Facebook game. Right. Right. And so they're on Facebook now. It's almost like Facebook is, it's not going down, but it's changing. It's, they're, they're live streaming on Facebook, right. and the departments are just kind of uploading their, <laughs> their <laughs> first like a app. picture. Yeah. So I, I agree. I think you have to have uh, very aggressive social media by law enforcement, yep. um, and it has to be genuine. Yes. Right? So you just can't post all the super, super great stuff. You've also got to, you know, you've got to also share some of your um, more intimate. These are our downfalls, or right. in the community I, oh, engagement I love this. piece. I know? love this. I think I think you're onto something there because once again, this is humanizing the cops. You can right. say, and and maybe this would be the form where you'd say, "Gosh, you know, I made this particular s- stop, or I made this, you know, arrest, and it was it really wasn't the right thing to do, or right. I I stopped someone and it wasn't, you know, just to show that, like, you know what, we make mistakes. That's um, right, and that. By, by putting a human, by showing that they're human and they make human mistakes just like us, again, it sort of, it creates a, a, a potential contact point. Yes. I love it. I love it too. Well, listen, um, Duncan, thank you for joining us on the show today. I mean, I really appreciate it. This has been one. This, last week, I always said I had, had all the women in a fest on. I was like, 
this is a really good show, but I really enjoyed today's show. You know, I love oh, this is great. You say coffee, anything, and my face lights up. It's, <laughs> I'm sorry, I just I'm, I'm in love with coffee. I, I love um, what you're doing. I, I I really think that um, what you're doing with the business model for coffee is is really phenomenal. Thank you. Um, we really need it more, and you know, I consider you a partner. Um, I hope that moving forward, that the department as a whole continues to partner with you. Uh, on doing some things and and we can actually have more shows as well so thank you for joining us today on urban talk radio it was a real pleasure Uh, for our listeners out there if you just joined tuned in today on urban talk radio we're talking about community engagement everything how to how to get past these shootings how to move forward and how to build relationships with the community over coffee or conversation or uh, engagement and we appreciate you tuning in Remember, Urban Talk Radio airs every Wednesday at 9 a.m. on 103.5 WNAHLP. And thank you. Whew. Yeah. Come on. Sitting at the 